this Labor Day weekend. I hope you are doing well. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. If you're a guest with us today, welcome to you. So glad that you're here with us today, worshiping the Lord together with us. If you are a guest, we would love for you to do something very simple for us. Just simply grab your cell phone and text the word CONNECT to our number on the screen, 910-424-1298. Just text CONNECT. We'll send you a little link. Tap on that, answer a couple of questions just so we can know who you are, how we can minister to you in the best way possible. We would love to do that because, again, we're so glad that you're with us today. But for everyone here, we've got our big three announcements as we start our week. What's going on here at Southview, how you can be plugged in and connected with what's going on. So let me give you a few things that we want you to know about. Number one, new members class. We have a new members class starting in just a couple of weeks. It runs for three weeks during the 930 hour. Uh, that's our process for how you get connected with memberships. You can go ahead and sign up for that by texting MEMBER to our number, 910-424-1298. Just text MEMBER, uh, and that will send you a link to sign up for that class. You can go ahead and do that. Second, 24-hour prayer. We're talking about starting a 24-hour prayer ministry to where 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, we want to be able to be covered in prayer as a church. Uh, we're going to have on September 19th, that's not this coming weekend, but the weekend after, September 19th, after the 11 o'clock service. We're going to have a quick um, time to get together for anyone who's interested in that directly after the service, just to hear more about it, get a little information, some teaching, some training, and go ahead and start that process. So that's going to be September 19th, after the 11 o'clock service. So remember that if you'd like to be a part of that. And then finally, for our guys and our ladies, we've got quite a few things going on. So for our men's ministry and our women's ministry, one, our Ladies of Grace, that's our women's ministry. They're going to have a simulcast with Priscilla Shire on October 2nd from 9 to 3. If you'd like to sign up for that, text the word BEYOND. That's the name of the event, BEYOND, to 910-424-1298. You can sign up for that to get connected there for that. Also on October 2nd, while the ladies were doing that, the guys thought, let's go play some golf. So, for our guys, if you're interested in going and playing some golf, that's going to be on September 2nd as well. You can sign up for that by texting GOLF to sign up for that. We are going to, if um, uh, the wife slash mom is going to be here and uh, husband slash dad is going to be playing golf, we are going to be providing child care. So you can sign up for that on the form as well if you need child care. But October 2nd is going to be a fun day, ladies, with a simulcast all day here. And then guys going to go play some golf as well. And so sign up for that by texting either BEYOND for our ladies or GOLF for our guys. And then also for our guys, October 22nd through the 24th, we're going to be doing a retreat at Fort Caswell. October 22nd through the 24th, you can text RETREAT for that to sign up for that as well to get signed up there so tons going on for our guys and for our ladies so be sure to get plugged in great way for you to meet someone else get connected with the body and uh, have a great time in the process for all of our other announcements download the church app southview baptist church app itunes or google play you're going to find all the announcements all the forms to sign up for things uh, you're going to find a list of journey groups that are small group ministry we encourage everyone to be plugged into a group especially summer's over falls kicking in we encourage you to find a group to be a part of. You're going to find a full list there on the app. You can also give online through the app. You can either give online through the app or the giving boxes as you leave. 
whichever way works best for you. But we encourage you to do that. But download that app to be able to get plugged in for all of those things. And then speaking of journey groups as well, we want you to get plugged into a group. Uh, and maybe the best way for you to get started with a group is for a group that's focused on a specific thing. Um, and so we're going to start a marriage group as well. Uh, that's going to be uh, starting October, uh, September 9th. And so if you'd like to sign up for that, you can just text marriage and that'll get you some information on that as well. But get plugged in to a group. That is a huge way that we make disciples here at Southview and we want you to get and be a part of that. I want to read some scripture to us as we begin our time together. We, we always try to begin our worship time by focusing ourselves on God's word. Uh, because this is the way that God speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word. We speak to him in prayer. And so we want to take just a minute to let the Lord speak to us. So I'm going to read some scripture to us, Psalm 24. And I just want you to, you can turn along and, and uh, read it in your Bible. You can read it on the screen. Or you can just sort of stop for a moment and let the word of God um, speak to you and just listen and meditate in on this. So Psalm 24, verses 1 through 10. Listen to the word of the Lord as we begin today. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Lord, we thank you that this morning we come before you knowing that you are the King of all glory. You created everything in this universe. You control everything in this universe. Every plant, every animal, every person ultimately comes from you and you are in absolute perfect control of. So Lord, today as we worship, I ask you, Lord God, that you would fill us, Lord, empower us with your spirit to turn our hearts to you our glorious, amazing King. We will set down our agendas, our strife, our issues, our toiling, and we will just turn our hearts to you because ultimately you are the only one, God, in perfect control. Thank you, Lord God. Do this work in your people this morning for your glory. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, good morning, Southview. It's great to see you all here today. We're going to invite you to stand with us as we get ready to worship in the house of the Lord. Amen.
and awesome is his name. Let's sing and celebrate the Lord today. He is able, he is worthy. Yes. Grace of God is reached for me. Victory won. 
guys can have a seat. As we think about the power and glory and majesty of God, I want to let that lead us into a time of prayer together. I read earlier Psalm 24. I want to, I want to come back and just get that first verse one more time. Just listen to how God is described. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein. It means everything we see, touch, taste, feel ultimately belongs to God. It's all His. And this is a powerful, powerful point for us to, to have be in our prayers because as Jesus taught us uh, in the Lord's Prayer how to pray, the very first thing He says, you know, uh, uh, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, know who it is that you're praying to. As you know, as it's settled in your heart who it is you're truly praying to, it completely changes how we pray. So I want to ask you to bow your heads, and, and I want to lead us just in a little bit of a time, just for you personally. Just set your heart before the Lord. You, your family, the city, everything. Every square inch your feet touch, no matter where you would walk on this earth, all of it belongs to God. Every bit of it, every person, every place, everything, it's all God's. He created all of this. He rules over all of this. So now pray from that kind of confidence. Is there a person that you're praying for? God created them. He knows them better than they know themselves. Go to the Lord on their behalf and say, God, you know them. You made them. You do this in me. Come with confidence who our great and glorious and amazing God is. pray that you would take this truth and cement it so deep into our hearts. So no matter where we go and what we do and what the situation is and what we come in contact with, we can, our, the bedrock foundation as we engage with all of that is knowing that you are in perfect control of everything. The entire earth belongs to you. Every person in it belongs to you. Everything is yours. Everyone is yours. So we just fall in and trust on your control, your sovereignty, your power, your will. Thank you, Lord God. I pray that this reality becomes so ingrained into our hearts and our thinking. And as a result, we're able to come with much confidence and much peace and much joy because at the end of the day, we just trust you. We just trust you. Do this work and us, your people, for your glory. Take just a quick second, just, just voice a praise of thanks to the Lord that He is in control of all things, every person, every place, everything. It's all His. Just thank Him right now for that. Just thank you, Lord.
thank you, God, that it's all yours. I thank you, God, that every person in this room that I'm about to open up your word and speak to ultimately belongs to you, not me. And this is your word being proclaimed, not mine. So, Holy Spirit, you do in us what only you can do. This all belongs to you. This church is yours. This people is, are, are yours. This little plot of land that we call ours is actually yours. So you do with us in this place whatever it is you want. We just trust you with it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And the church said, amen, amen. All right, hey, if you have a Bible, let's find Acts chapter 21 together, all right? Acts 21. We're actually going to finish up our study of Acts today. Um, so we've been walking through Acts since about the beginning of the year. And as we've been doing that, we've been seeing some powerful things, right? We've been, we, we've been coming at Acts with, with two ideas. Number one, we want to see what God is doing in them. And number two, as a result of that, what God is desiring to do in us. Acts is a history book, but it's not just a history book. It's history that is alive and God is speaking to us and uh, desires us to emulates um, pushing forward the mission of God just like his people did then. So we've been going through the book of Acts, asking the Lord to show us what does this mean for us? How do we push forward your mission for your glory, right? How do we do that? And as we, as we are seeking the Lord in that, we come to Acts chapter 21. So let's jump in verse 10, Acts chapter 21. So as we, as we go into this, again, real quick, what I want us to see. We're going to cover a lot of ground in a very short amount of time, all right? Acts 21 through 28. The reason we're doing that is because this really covers one big story. It's, it's the Apostle Paul going from getting arrested in Jerusalem to uh, standing before Caesar in Rome. It's kind of 21 through 28. It's one big trip on the way there. So we're going to kind of cover that. But but in the process of that, I think something really significant is going to happen, okay? So we've been going through Acts for, for about seven-ish months now. And as we've been doing that, again, what we've been seeing is, here's how the missions push forward. Here's how the missions push forward. Here's what it means to be a, a person of God on fire and being used by the Lord. We're seeing all of that in Acts. What I want to do in this last little bit is take some time to kind of tighten up a few things before we end Acts. I want to put a... Put a bow on Acts for us, all right? So I heard recently a neat illustration uh, that long-haul truckers, all right, so if they have a load on like a flatbed truck, right, and they have to tie it down, after they drive down the road for uh, a little while, they have to pull off the side of the road and cinch that thing down a little tighter, right? As you're driving, it starts to move and shift and get a little wobbly, and so you let it settle as you go down the road, and then you pull over, tighten that thing down good, now you're ready for your trip, Right? It's kind of how we're going to do with Acts, all right? We've been working our way through Acts, right? Here's what it means. They were sent on a mission. We're sent on a mission. They're filled and empowered by the Spirit. We're filled and empowered by the Spirit. They formed a church to disciple one another and care for one another and serve one another. We do the same thing. They had to grow in holiness. We have to grow in holiness. They sent out missionaries. We sent out missionaries. So as we're going through Acts, we're seeing this is what it means to be a church pushing forward the kingdom of God. Now, as we're ending Acts, I want us to stop, pull off the side of the road, see some very important insights from the life of the Apostle Paul, 
tighten up our load a little bit before we're ready to, to move on. That makes sense? All right. So Acts chapter 21, let's pick it up in verse 10. While we, that's Paul and his companions, this is Luke writing this. So they just finished hanging out with all the people at Ephesus and now they're spending more time there. So as while we were staying a few more days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit. This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him in to the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him, Paul, not to go up to Jerusalem. Verse 13, then Paul answered, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded and ceased, and we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. So a guy named Agabus comes down, says that he's a prophet. He grabs Paul's belt, binds up his hands and feet and says, whoever this belt belongs to, this is what's going to happen to you when it gets to Jerusalem. He's saying, God is saying you're going to Jerusalem and they're going to arrest you. So all of his friends gather around Paul and say, whoa, you can't go. Right? You, clearly, this is going to happen to you, so you need to stay here. And I love what Paul says. He's like, why are you breaking my heart? No, 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 no. My life doesn't belong to me. My life belongs to God. If God wants me to go to Jerusalem and be imprisoned, then I will be imprisoned. If God wants me to die, then I will die. If God wants me to live, I will live. At the end of the day, my life just belongs to God. So here's tighten up point number one. You ready? People who are used mightily by God must completely surrender their life to His will first. That's exactly what Paul's doing here. He's not worrying about his own life. He has completely surrendered his life to God and says, God, whatever you want, whatever you want to do, my life is yours. The reason many of us are so anxious and worried and freaking out and getting upset is because at the end of the day, we still think we have control over our own lives. And when it doesn't go the way that we think it should, we get upset. We've got a plan, we've got an agenda, we, 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 we've got a five-year goals, so we want to accomplish that. And when it doesn't work out that way, we're the ones getting upset. My daughter, my oldest daughter, she's 16, she's a junior in high school, and so we're talking through the whole college stuff and what do you want to do for a career and all those sorts of things. And yes, we're asking, we're talking through these questions about, you know, what are you good at? And where are you naturally gifted? And what would you like to do? And what schools kind of bring all that together? And so we're talking about all those things and working through all that stuff. And I don't know if you have a kid that age or if you've ever done that. I don't know why. Every day we get 14 postcards from colleges somewhere in this country begging me to send them money. And, and so we're working through this process. But you know what we're also telling our daughter to do? You go in your bedroom, you shut the door, you get on your face before God, and you ask him to tell you what he wants you to do with your life. What is God going to tell you to do? And yes, more than likely, he's going to use some things that he's wired you and gifted you in. 
And yes, more than likely there are things that you naturally love and you're probably going to bend in that direction. Probably that's going to work. But, but don't depend on your own natural reasoning to try to figure out what your life plan is going to be. That's what made the adults in this room miserable. You had a life plan, and it didn't work out, and now you're super ticked about it. Surrender your life to God. I heard a really powerful interview this week from a guy named Teddy Daniels. Teddy is uh, running for Congress up in Pennsylvania, uh, but before, uh, he, he's not a career politician, he was actually in the Army before that, and he told a really interesting story this week, where he was uh, in Afghanistan, they uh, were sent on a, supposed to be a super quick, easy reconnaissance mission, just run down, check out a village, see what's going on there, come back, you're in and out, six hours, you're back, all's well and good, well, on the way back, they were... Uh, ambush and uh, engaged uh, enemy fire and he said we were all right there huddled and coming at us and he said so I knew something needed to, sitting here was not going to be an option for us he said so I broke out to the right to try to draw some fire in so my guys can get settled set up something and we can we can uh, in, engage correctly with the enemy he said so I go off to the side he said and I'm shooting drawing in fire and he said, and I was behind a rock, he said, I was shooting, he said, and, and I lifted my gun up to change directions, and the second I lifted my gun up, a round came and boom, hit the gun. Uh, right into the grenade launcher, he said, it went everywhere, he said, I took a round, gun went flying out of my hands, I'm getting shot, he said, so I fall on the ground and I hide behind this rock. And he said, and at that moment, he said, I'm behind this rock, he said, I'm bleeding everywhere, I'm behind this rock, he said, and, I, and thoughts are just, he said, Thoughts are coming a million miles an hour, and then slow motion all at the same time, right? So, so I'm behind this rock. He said, and in that moment, he said, I start talking to God. He said, and I said right there at that second, God, if you want me to die on this mountain in Afghanistan, I am completely okay with that. My life was 100% yours. Whatever it is you want to do with me, if it's I'm done right now, where I get out of here and I live another 50 years, I honestly trust you. Whatever it is you want with my life, I'll take it. He said, and at that moment, he said, I've never felt that level of peace flood over me. He said, and without even thinking, he said, I crawled over, I grabbed my weapon, I reloaded, I stood up. He said, and I left that rock. Then I started going down the mountain and engaging the enemy. He said, rounds are shooting off everywhere. He said, one skipped off my helmet, one round shot my sunglasses off. He said, but I am completely and totally at peace because I had made the decision that whatever God wanted to happen in my life today was going to be okay with me. I trust him. Brothers and sisters, listen. That is obviously an extreme example. But can we chat just for a second? The reason you're so anxious and freaked out and worried is because you still think you have control over your life and you are ticked when it doesn't go your way way trust God right now today you need to sit before the Lord 
and you need to even, even you need to verbally say it. Like we're in this a little while, where the band's going to be going, and you're going to come up here, and the lights are going to be low, and no one's going to know we're here, okay? It's just going to be you and God. Some of you need to verbally say, God, I give up my rights to my life. My life is yours. You do anything you want with me or nothing with me. At, right now, I trust you and not me. Somebody in this room needs to do that today. You got to sense that load down tight. If you're going to be in for the long haul with the Lord, you have to trust that what He says is right and best. Trust your life to Him. So, what was prophesied ends up happening. If you keep going through chapter 21, He goes to Jerusalem, He indeed gets arrested. Chapter 22, he's trying to engage the people that are coming after him. That doesn't work out so great. Chapter 23, he goes before the Jewish council. And anytime Paul's in front of a group of people, he's always going to say something to make them mad. So that happens. Roman soldiers have to come in, protect Paul, get him out. The lead soldier in charge puts Paul in a safe place until he can put him before Felix. The governor at the time, and that's where we pick up our next thing. Skip over to chapter 24, verse 24. So now he's before Felix, and he says in verse 24 of chapter 24, After some days Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. Paul starts drilling in deep on this guy's heart. and He's like, I don't like this at all. Get out of here. Verse 26. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he, would send, so he sent for him often and conversed with him. Verse 27. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus and decided to do the Jews a favor. Felix left Paul in prison. So you got Paul and Felix. And Felix is super convicted but thinks he may be able to squeeze a little money out of Paul. So he keeps trying to kind of keep him on the line and bring him in and and have some conversations with him. Track with this. Paul is stuck in prison here for two years. And he's done nothing. He hasn't committed a crime. He hasn't been accused of a crime. He hasn't been tried for a crime. Forget being in prison, falsely accused. Paul is in prison and hasn't even been accused. He's stuck in jail because Felix is trying to squeeze a little money out of him. And if you think about it, doesn't that feel like an absolute waste? The Apostle Paul, one of the most influential people in the history of the world, is stuck in jail for two years for literally no reason. He's just sitting there. And on one hand, it feels like an absolute waste. You look at it and you go, was God on vacation? What happened? And you have Paul that's, that's planting all these churches and leading all these people to Jesus and doing these all amazing things. And now it's like God just takes a pause and goes, now, for 24 months, sit. What's going on with that? What's interesting, if you kind of take a deep dive historically in what's happening in those two years, Paul's not just sitting still. Paul is 
writing letters to all the churches. Many of them are going to become books in your Bible. Paul is discipling men who are going to grow up to become powerful leaders in that church. Paul is leading soldiers to Jesus who are going to go out and go take the gospel to parts of the world. Paul could never go by himself. So here's, here's big ideas cinched down number two. You ready? People who are used mightily by God know that he doesn't waste anything and neither should they. This is not wasted time. This is not time where Paul is sitting over on the side just waiting and waiting and waiting. When am I going to get let out? When am I going to get let out? When is this going to be over? He's not doing that. He's not wasting it because he knows God isn't wasting it. Do you feel stuck? Do you feel like your talents are being wasted? Do you feel like you're being unfairly treated? God uses these opportunities to do things in you that he could not have done otherwise. It is in these times that God is able to sit you off to the side and really speak powerfully into your heart. Think about Moses. So if you're familiar with the story of Moses. So Moses is the prince of Egypt. right? He is in the Pharaoh's household. In that position, Moses is one of the most well-educated, wealthiest, influential people on earth. Are we tracking with this? In the position that he is in, there are very few people in the world who would have greater influence than Moses. He is in a prime position you would think from an earthly perspective he's in the perfect spot to now become the deliverer of israel i mean look how powerful and wealthy and educated and influential he is that's the right spot for him to rise up and lead israel out the bondage in egypt wrongo what does god do god strips him from that position and makes him be a a sheep herder in the backside of nowhere for 40 years. Moses was not ready to be the deliverer when he was the mighty prince of Egypt. God had to go stick him on the backside of some ridiculous, no one can find mountain in order to finally get him ready. That 40 years herding sheep in the middle of nowhere, was not wasted time. God had to do that to get his deliverer ready. God doesn't waste anything, and we can't either. You're in the spot, you're in the situation, you're in the place, and it feels wrong, and it feels unfair, and it feels like it's tightening in. You feel like your time is being wasted. You feel like your skills aren't being utilized. You feel like there's more I can be doing. There's more I could be doing. There's more I could be doing. I constantly, side note, pastoral side note, I constantly have people come to me asking, can I lead something? And my question to them is this, well, have you been led in anything? Can I lead a journey group? Are you a part of one? No, so I thought I'd lead one. Doesn't work like that, Jack. Right? How about sit in one for a little while? Right? How about be a follower? Then we'll talk about being a leader. But I'm really gifted. Not at sitting. Evidently not gifted there. 
Let's work on that part. You're gifted at talking, not listening. God had to take Moses and put him somewhere else so that he can listen and grow, then lead. It's almost like God had to take away Moses' confidence before he could finally get him in a place where he's confident just in God and not himself. Maybe that's what God is doing. Author, researcher Brene Brown, she's not a Christian, um, but she does some really interesting sociological work. Brene Brown says that America today is the most addicted, overweight, medicated group in the history of the world. I think she's right. There's never been a group of people in the history of the world that are as unhealthy as we are, that self-medicate as much as we do, and find anything to be addicted to that we possibly can, whether that be prescription pills or food or shopping or 15 different fantasy football leagues. Why do we do all of that? Because even if we physically can't get out of where we are, we're desperately trying to mentally get out of where we are. We're trying to escape our situation, and we'll use any of these things to at least mentally, emotionally get us out if we can't physically get out, right? And what I want to encourage you to see is this. God has you there for a reason. God is doing this. Just like with Paul, those two years were not wasted. Neither is yours either. What is God doing? What is God teaching? What is God trying to show you? What is it that he desires you to accomplish for the kingdom that maybe couldn't have been accomplished anywhere else doing anything else? Don't look at other people and what they're doing and think I should be doing that Let's see what God's doing in our heart first. From there, you go to chapter 25. And so Festus comes on after Felix. And as Paul goes before Festus in chapter 25, he appeals to Caesar, which was kind of a, a legal thing that he could do as a Roman citizen. He could appeal to Caesar, so positive and negative. So appealing to Caesar meant uh, that you jumped straight to him. Right? You didn't have to listen to these other people. You didn't have to be under their rule or authority. You can go jump straight to Caesar. However, whatever Caesar said was done. You, there, there was no appealing beyond that. If Caesar said, off with your head, you're done. Right? So he, he makes this calculated decision. He chooses to appeal to Caesar. And he's on his way. Chapter 26, while they're in process of doing that, a man by the name of King Agrippa comes to visit Festus. In chapter 26, verse 26, we see that interaction. That's our next point I want us to see. Acts 26, verse 26. For the king, that's King Agrippa, this is Paul talking to him, knows about all these things. And to him I speak boldly. Circle that word, that's going to be big for us. To him I'm speaking boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. 
And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Boldly, Paul is standing before one of the most influential people in that region, King Agrippa. And he's boldly speaking to him. Saying, do you believe? I know that you believe. I know that you do. And, and the Agrippa says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You trying to convince me to become a Christian? And Paul's like, you doggone Skippy. That's exactly what I'm trying to do right now. So, people who are used mightily by God boldly proclaim the gospel. They boldly proclaim. What is boldness? So first, what boldness is not. Boldness is not not caring what people think. All right? The person who's bold is not the person who says, I don't care if people like me or not. Listen, if you're I don't care if people like me guy, I can guarantee you no one likes you, okay? Mission accomplished. You did it. Congratulations. It's not boldness. Boldness is I don't care. No, 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 no. It's not, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be liked as long as the desire to be liked doesn't stop you from living out your Christian convictions. That makes sense? Boldness isn't just not caring what people think. Boldness isn't a personality type. Well, they're just more of a bold person. I'm more of a meek person. All kinds of different personality types can be bold. Boldness is this. So the word there, boldly, in verse 26, is a Greek word, parousia. It means a spirit-empowered courage and confidence to speak even in the midst of danger or threat. Your spirit-empowered confidence to speak. Now, you're going to be using your own personality and your own words and your own way of doing things. You're not going to be like this person or be like that person. It's going to be you doing it, just like the Bible. The, so, the love, thing I love about the Bible is it's over 40 different authors with their own personality and their own makeup and their own intellect and their own educational abilities. But God is speaking through each and every one of them in their own still unique way. Same thing for us. Being bold is not about you being like someone else. Being bold is about you being you, inspired by God, empowered by God to boldly proclaim, here's who Jesus is and here's who he is for me and here's what he's done for me. Boldly. Where does, intimacy, where does boldness come from? Intimacy. If you go back to Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, they were amazed at how bold they were because they realized that these were men who had been with Jesus. They were bold because he had been with Jesus. Do you spend time in intimacy with the Lord that empowers you to now grow up in boldness and boldly say to your friends, your family, those around you, here's who Jesus is for me, and I want him to be this for you. And like Agrippa, they may say, well, you're trying to convince me to become a Christian? Yep, I, I, I absolutely am. Now, that's God's work, not mine. I can't make anything happen, but yes. That's exactly what I want to see happen. Paul was bold. And for us, as we're, as we're seeking to push forward the kingdom of God in our own personal lives, boldness is the key. And boldness comes from that intimacy with Jesus. So after this, chapter 27, Paul is sent on a ship to Rome. You know, Paul can't catch a break. He gets on a ship and the ship wrecks. Like, seriously. But it's interesting, even through the shipwreck, we see Paul just, 
doing amazing, amazing work. So chapter 27, pick it up in verse 20. So he's on this ship. They're on their way to Rome. Here's what happens. Verse 20. So a massive storm is coming in. Verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Can you imagine being in this spot? Everyone was convinced we're just going to die. Verse 21, since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incurred this entry and loss. So if you were to back up a little bit further, they wanted to leave. And Paul's like, you know what? I've been talking to God, and God says we shouldn't do that. And they're like, yeah, whatever, Paul. And then, I love Paul. Like, there's a little bit of, like, God would never say I told you so. But Paul kind of did, right? Paul's like, so listen, I'm not saying you should have listened to me, but you should have listened to me. But he keeps on going. He doesn't end there. Verse 22. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. Jump down to verse 33. As day was about to dawn... Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you, take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. Here's what I want you to see with this. This is so cool. People who are used mightily by God minister to those who he, God, has put them around. So you have Paul. He's on a ship that's about to go down. And what's he doing? Ministering to everyone else on the same sinking ship. He's caring for them. He's ministering to them. He's discipling them. He's sharing the gospel with them. He's caring for their souls because he knows this is not by accident. I've been placed on this ship with these people for a reason. So I'm going to speak truth into their lives while we're all on this ship together. This is life for us. Are we ready? You have been placed in situations around certain people for a reason. The job that you have, the neighborhood you live in, the things that you do as a hobby, you are placed around these people. Think about your life as a ship, and you've been placed on a ship with all of these other people, and most of them are dying without Jesus. You've been placed there to minister to them, share the gospel with them, love them, encourage them, just like what Paul did. No matter what situation that you're in, students, God has placed you in that school to share the gospel and love your friends and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Teachers, you are, I hear teachers all the time go, well, I can't say things to my students because of what, you're not there to say things to your students. What if you're there to actually share the gospel with the other teachers? 
That's why you're there. Love them. Share with them. Encourage them. Point them to Jesus. Everywhere you've been placed, everywhere you are is on purpose. Paul was on this ship and he believes it's not an accident that he's on the same ship with these guys running into these same rocks. He believes he's there for a reason and he's not just sitting over the corner hoping he doesn't die. He's boldly, faithfully standing up saying, brothers, listen to me. I serve the real God and he desires to save you. Turn to him. As we're, as we're pushing forward the kingdom of God, as we're just in our personal lives pushing forward the kingdom of God, the people that you are around, you are around them for a reason. God has placed you in their lives for a reason. Do you see that and are you seeking to live that out. Think about the people around you. When's the last time you've looked at someone in your life around you and sought to encourage them with the good news of Jesus Christ? When's the last time you encouraged them with the hope of God? When's the last time that you showed them, here's what God's doing in my life and here's what I believe he wants to do in yours as well. When's the last time that you've done that? I encourage you. You've been placed on that ship for a reason. Glorify God there. Glorify God there. The last couple of weeks have been difficult for many who are currently serving in the military or have previously served. And hearing these stories, I saw one interview with a chaplain and said that she was averaging like three hours of sleep a night because she was just getting inundated with soldiers coming in saying, I don't know what to do with my life. You are being placed in a position that you're going to be able to speak into lives that I never could. You are being placed in position to be able to speak to people and encourage people and minister to people in ways that I never, ever could. You're on that ship for a reason. Think about it right now. Imagine it in your mind. You're on that ship for a reason. Whatever it is. Your home, your work, your school, your neighborhood, the mom's morning out group that you're a part of, the softball league that you're in, you're on that ship for a reason. God has placed you there. Look at the souls around you. God has put you there for a reason. Minister to them. Minister to them. And the last thing I want you to see, go to chapter 28. Chapter 28, verse 30. This is the end of the book of Acts. Acts 28, verse 30. He, that's Paul, so he, they finally end up in Rome. And he's waiting to meet Caesar. And it says in Acts 28, verse 30, He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And then it just stops. The book of Acts ends like a cliffhanger. Right? Remember, we don't really do cliffhangers anymore because we all have Netflix. Remember, it used to be like a show would end and it would, you know, think like Dukes of Hazard, right? They're jumping the cliff and it stops in midair. And they stop and go, what's going to happen? It's like... 
I know what's going to happen. They land and get away. Like, we know what happens here, but they try to let it be a cliffhanger. We don't do cliffhangers anymore, right? Because now we just have the whole series on Netflix. We're like, whoa, cliffhanger. Good thing I only have to wait five seconds to find out what happened. But that's how Acts ends. Acts ends as a cliffhanger. Right? It's, it's like the kingdom of God has jumped the ramp, right? Think General Lee. You've jumped the ramp. It's in midair. Boom, what's going to happen? And what happens is this. The gospel keeps moving forward. You know how I know the gospel continues to move forward after Acts 28? You're sitting in this room. Right? We're evidence Acts was not about Peter. Acts was not about Paul. Acts was not about the early church. Acts was about God himself pushing forward his kingdom through his people. And he's still doing that with us. Just listen, I've shared this kind of thing with you before. I want to do it again because I think it's so powerful and awesome. Here's how the kingdom of God, just a little snapshot of how it all pushed forward, okay? So... Paul shipwrecked, landing in Rome. It's around 60 A.D. All right, so about 60 A.D., Paul is in the spot that we're reading now in Acts 28. By 66 A.D., Thaddeus had established the Christian church in Armenia. 72 A.D., Thomas takes the gospel to India. By 100 A.D., the gospel is in Monaco, Algeria, and Sri Lanka. By 150 A.D., the gospel had reached Portugal and Morocco. By 174 A.D., the first Christians are in Austria. By 200, the first Christians are in Switzerland and Belgium. By 300 A.D., it is estimated that 10% of the world's population was Christian, and the Bible was available in 10 different languages. In 300 years, it went from 120 people in an upper room to 10% of the entire world's population. By 432 A.D., Patrick took the gospel to Ireland. And we celebrate that great moment in gospel history by drinking green beer and pinching each other. But whatever. 635 A.D., the first Christians are in China. By 740, the first Christians are in Iceland. By 900, the missionaries are in Norway. By 1000, uh, uh, Leif the Lucky is evangelizing Greenland. By 1200 AD, the gospel is available in 22 different languages. In 1382, the gospel is translated into English, thanks to John Wycliffe. 1491, the gospel is in the Congo. 1496, the first Christians in the New World are being baptized. 1498, the first Christians are in Kenya. 1506, they're in Mozambique. 1533, they're in Vietnam. 1550, the Bible is now printed in 28 different languages. 1671, the first missionaries are hitting a little place known as the Carolinas. 1690, the missionaries are finally making their way to Texas. By 1845, the Southern Baptist Convention, which we're a part of, starts their first mission board. And the mission keeps going and going and going and going and going. To the point where here's where we are today. As of 2021, now roughly 2 billion people on earth call themselves Christians. Every single day, 90,000 people come to faith in Christ. Every week, 3,000 new churches are started. More Muslims have come to faith in Christ in the country of Iran in the last 40 years than in the previous 1,000 years combined. 
In 1900, Korea had no churches. Today, Korea is 35% Christian, and there are 7,000 churches just in Seoul, Korea alone. The Islamic country of Indonesia, I love this one. The percentage of Christians is so high, the government refuses to print the statistic out of embarrassment. It's believed that around 15% of their population is secretly Christian. In Russia, after 70 years of communist oppression, now over 56% of their population identifies as Christian. Here's the point. People who are used mightily by God to advance his kingdom believe that he is still advancing his kingdom and he wants to use you to do it. God has not stopped. God has not stopped. Christian maturity, Christian maturity, Christian depth is not marked by how much you know and whether you can win a debate. Christian maturity is marked by obedience. What's the last thing Jesus told us to obey? Go make more disciples. Don't tell me you're mature. Don't tell me you're deep. If you can't tell me the name of the last person you led to Jesus and taught him how to follow Jesus, that's God's definition of deep. His mission hasn't stopped. So this is what we keep doing. We keep going after it. Wanting to see more people and more people and more people come to faith in Jesus. So I'm going to ask our band to come up, and I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads for me. And so I, I began our time telling you that uh, we're going to take a little time to pull off on the side of the road and tighten up the load a little bit. So for you, is there something specific that you sense that the Lord is calling you to tighten up? This morning, do you need to right now Surrender your life to God and say, it's his, it's not mine, whatever he wants to do. If he wants me to stay in a marriage that I don't want to stay in, I'll stay in the marriage. If he wants me to step out by faith and quit my job and go do something else, I'll go do that. If he wants me to stay in this job that I don't like, I'll do that. Whatever it is he wants me to do, I'm going to do it. I trust God. My life is his. Have you been stuck and feel like your life is being wasted? Stop for a second. Maybe today you need to take some time and, and ratchet that thing down and say, God, I know that you're not wasting this, and I don't want to either do in me whatever it is you want to do. Are you boldly proclaiming the gospel as God gives you opportunity? Or do you back off in fear sometimes? Are you being used by God to minister to the people that he has around you? The people on your personal ship? Are you actively seeking to see the gospel advance, the mission move forward, God's kingdom? Grow more and more and more. Our band is going to lead us and we're going to take just a couple of minutes for you to sit before the Lord. And as you're doing that, I want to encourage you. Ask God to speak to you. And as he does that, confess what you need to confess. Do what you need to do. Step out how you need to step out and let God do his work in you. So, Lord God, I pray that's exactly what you'll do. I know that you are. So keep doing that work, Lord, for your glory. We pray.
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you, church, to either sit and reflect, come pray, or stand and sing as we ponder these things of God.
our hearts ultimately adore. We thank you. We love you. I pray, God, that you would empower us, God, to, to, to be strengthened in, in our commitment to walk faithfully in you, Lord. And if there's anything in our lives that need to be tightened up, Lord, by your grace, you're going to do that. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you so much. Have a great day.